All right, how we doing? This is kind of crazy. It's been like two months since I've done this. Isn't this insane? Two good old months of me sitting there awkwardly being introduced by other pastors. Oh my gosh, look at how great he is. I'm just sitting there like, oh my gosh, if they knew me. Anyways, okay. Uh, we are in the beginning of a new series called Life in Distortion. I know that video was all kinds of like emotional. Tears are probably erupting all over the room and whatnot. But uh, the whole point and the premise of all that we want to do for the next couple weeks is this. You, maybe a follower of Jesus in the house, are in the middle of a quite, maybe a difficult season. You're in high school, and you are trying to live this whole following Jesus thing out. But you are surrounded by other people or other things or an environment that does not play by the same rules. So the question is, how do you do that? That's what, for the next four weeks, we are going to go after how do you do this? And we're going to do this by going through the book of 1 John. So if you guys got your Bibles, go to 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. It's important. Uh, we do not put the verses up on the screen because that's kind of like cheating. So we want you to grab your phones, pull it out, have a Bible with you, and be able to follow along as we go and do this together. Let me read it real fast, and we can get started into what we're trying to do. This is what it says. Verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. Verse 2, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Verse 6, or verse 5, sorry. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let me pray real fast and we can kind of get into all of what that is talking about. Father, thank you so much for the people in this room that we can come together into a place like this, have awesome surprises, jump around, cry a little bit, whatever, have sweat in our mouths. It's just kind of our thing. And, and God, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to be here, to hear from your word, what you are calling to us, your, your self-disclosure that we get to in this time, just get to know you a bit more and get to deepen our relationship with you. And that's just the most amazing thing that we have, just the joy to be able to do. So in that, we thank you. We love you. Just want to pray. Amen. This is, this is kind of a crazy text that we just read. It's, it's kind of everywhere. Maybe it was a bit confusing. We're going to try our best to kind of break down what this is talking about. First off, what he says, that which was from the beginning. 
Okay, John's talking, that which was from the beginning. The subject of whatever he's talking about was always there from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. So whatever this subject is, whatever this thing we're talking about, John is saying, this guy is saying, and I've heard it. I've seen it, I've touched, I felt it. He is the very evidence of whatever he's talking about. I've seen it, I've, I've felt it, I've touched it tangibly. It's been right in front of me. He says this, verse 2, the life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaim to you the eternal life. Let's skip down a little bit and go to verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him. Proclaim to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. It's interesting at this time because what you got is, uh, imagine this guy, he's in ancient like Roman times, and you guys, have you ever seen uh, like Hercules, the, the movie or whatever, you know, Hercules, big bulging biceps, like the butt chin, and he has like the, like, like the Superman curl, whatever, and he's in with all of these other gods, there's a Hermes and Hera and Zeus and all of these guys, Poseidon, all of these different kinds of Greek gods, and in that type of mindset, what a god was, was someone who was kind of uh, ethereal, like he's kind of, uh, you know, you put your hand through him and whatever, and he shows up, and this is it's kind of crazy, if you ever read like the, the Percy Jackson books or whatever, it talks about this, it talks about how the gods came to earth basically just to like, like impregnate women and then take off, like talk about the worst fathers ever. Anyways, so they, uh, they go and do that, but what this is talking about is kind of pushing back from the mentality that everybody else had. The mentality they had is gods kind of show up and they take off. This is saying, no, 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 it's not just you kind of put, put your hand through it and it's kind of gone, it's kind of ghosty. No, 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 we've seen it. We've heard it. We felt it. It's right in front of us. Life itself was right in front of us. Now, obviously, we're in a church, so we kind of know who John is talking about at this point. It's Jesus. And kind of larger than Jesus, he's kind of talking about God himself and who God is. And then he brings out this duality. He calls it the darkness and the light. Light being the good thing, darkness being the bad thing. And that's what you kind of see. We all know the difference between good and evil. We all know it. I told this story a couple days ago, and I'm willing to share it again. When I was, uh, when I was 12 years old, I... Uh, is anybody here with me who just absolutely hates the dentists? Okay, I hate the dentists. For me, dentists are demons with flesh, okay? So when I was 12 years old, I'm going to like a pediatric dentist, which means like a bunch of five-year-olds are running around and I have commitment issues. I need to stay with my joint. I can't take off. So all of a sudden, I go into this chair and uh, I'm sitting down in the chair, and, and if you know me, I'm, I'm a rebel without a cause, you know what I mean? I'm sitting there, and this guy sits me down into this chair. He says, hey, we need to, we need to take out some teeth. And I'm like, no, you ain't. He's like, I'm, I'm going to have to take out some teeth. I'm like, sir, I'm going to punch you in the throat if you ever say that to me again. And he's like, no, no, sir, we're going to have to take out some teeth. And I'm like, okay. So the worst part about this whole situation is, um, you know how they have that little machine that goes like, that thing? And all my mind runs to is like that classic girl who runs towards the chainsaw in all the murder movies, you know what I mean? Like you know that chick's about to get just 
blood spatters the whole shebang, and I'm going, that's me right now, this dentist. I'm going to die via the mouth, right? This is awful. It's a horrible situation. So in my mind, what begins to happen is this text is running at me, right? Because I'm looking at the dentist, and what do I think? Darkness, right? That guy's evil to the point where he would try to hold me down and I would squirm and I wouldn't let him like do his like crazy um, operation thing or whatever. And then all of a sudden he had to like grab me by the throat almost. I'm like, you're the most evil dentist of all time, right? So I keep swarming, I keep fighting back and I'm like, no, 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 I ain't about this life. I'm not about to lose this battle. So all of a sudden he calls over a couple different dentists and I'm like, man, they got three dentists on little 12 year old me? I'm the man, you know? So I got, I'm fighting three dentists. Like, that's how strong I am. This is insane right now. So they got me down to go whatever, and then, um, and then they, 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 come on, they did me dirty. Uh, they knocked me out. Anyways, uh, with the gas thing, not with a punch. That'd be illegal. I'm pretty sure the other one's illegal too, but whatever. Anyway, so anyways, they did the whole thing on me, whatever. And my whole mindset with this whole situation is, man, I know the, the difference between good and evil. I'm good, all right? The dentists, pure evil. Anyway, so that's the whole kind of dichotomy John is trying to set up. He's trying to say, listen, there are things that are light. Those are the good things. There are things that are dark, and those are the bad things. That's what he's trying to talk about. In the light, in the darkness, there is this duality. It is so Star Wars-like, it's legit, you know? Who are the good guys? The guys with the green and the blue lightsabers, who are the bad guys? The guy with the red lightsabers wearing all the dark clothing. This kind of duality, because Star Wars stole this right from the Bible, is what we are talking about. The light versus the dark. This is you at school, sitting there in your cafeteria, seeing somebody else get bullied, and you know that's the wrong thing. Darkness. When you see the situation, when you're in class, the exam's going on, you studied your butt off to try and get the good grade, you look to your side and you see that, you know, that one guy who pulls his phone out of his pocket and starts answering all the questions. And you're trying to figure out, like, what do I do in this moment right now? Do I say anything? Do I not? Do I go help the kid who's getting bullied? Do I not? Do I look at people who are going through such a rough time? Like, what do I do in this situation? There's all these people around me at school where, man, I'm a follower of Jesus. I love him. I love his rule, his reign, everything that he, that he is, that he embodies. But how do I do this? How do I be a, a light in dark places? How do I embody or imitate exactly what God is? If God is light, then what do I do in this situation? What do I have to think of in this situation? Verse 6 is interesting because it kind of gives us even a, an even deeper picture of what light is. This is what it says, verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the... What, what do you think should happen there? If, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness... We should expect to read, we lie and do not practice the light. But it doesn't say that. It says, while, if we say we have uh, fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So there's something about light and there's something about truth that go together. They're, they're alternate mentalities. 
one who wants to believe the right way of what it is to be human, and the other way of saying there's a completely opposite way of how this is. For sake of what we're going to call it, John says light and dark. What we're going to call it is the rule of Jesus versus the rule of the empire. This is what we're going to call it from now on for the rest of this series. The rule of the empire. It's the, it's the darkness kind of mentality. And when does this start? When does this whole thing begin? This whole thing begins in Genesis 3. When God says a clear command to Adam and Eve, do not eat of that fruit. And what does the serpent do? The serpent comes in and he skews the truth. That's the very thing he's trying to attack. He's trying to attack the truth. Darkness. Empire. Then God says, listen, you fell, you fell into that mentality, into that attitude, and now we can't do this anymore. we got to separate ourselves because you're in the empire mentality right now. And he pushes them out. And then all of a sudden what begins to happen is they have a couple kids, right? And this is the very first instance where both of these mentalities begin to clash with one another. Cain and Abel. Cain gave an offering that God saw that was pleasing to him and Abel did not. And so one was out of absolute joy and the other one was out of this kind of mentality of, why, why, why not me? It's a selfishness. You have light on one side, you have dark on the other, you have the rule and reign of, of God himself versus the rule of the empire. And in this instant, what begins to happen? Cain kills Abel. This is happening all around us. Every single one of us can put on the news and see these things that are happening everywhere and go, man, I cannot believe this is happening. Right, what's the show that we're all watching right now? 13 Reasons Why. And the point, of, the point about that show is if I'm going to be straight, I've watched majority of the whole thing, and I hate it. And the reason why I hate it is because we as spectators who aren't in those situations think it's so informative, it's so great, it's so awesome. But imagine somebody who's in that position. What are we trying to tell them? Listen, if you kill yourself, you can make a point and people will finally listen. Is that really the message we should be saying? Is your life worth it to prove a point? No. So what's that whole train of thought? And now you begin to realize what John's battling with. It's a complete counter mentality to the way that you live your life. Do you live your life in the light, in the reign of the risen King Jesus, or do you live your life by the rules and regulations of everything else around you and you, and you get to be with him in the light for a couple hours a week? What is it? For those who do not practice the truth, light, in dark. It's the scariest thing for us to realize. But there's another thing here that we got we to gotta kind of pick on here. It's this, that John is spreading this message, the message of God being light in the world of darkness, so that he has a purpose. And the very purpose that he has here is in verse 4. And we are writing these things. We are going to tell you this message. Why? 
We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. The whole reason why I'm sharing what I'm sharing is because I want my joy to be complete. The reason why I'm telling you about Jesus, the reason why I'm telling you about God at all, who he is in my life is because I want my joy to be complete. Sometimes people come up to me all the time, they're going, man, I'm just not feeling it. I'm so sad, I'm so depressed all the time. I'm just angry, I'm upset. And there is this correlation which seems so crazy to me between joy and mission. Joy and mission. Last week, we had the craziest thing when people actually were here in this service and said, I want to give my life to Jesus. Sitting amongst you. You know how crazy that is? You know how unbelievable that is? I was talking to somebody after the service and they walked up to me with the biggest smile I could see. And they were like, man, this was like, this was like exhilarating. Like, I don't know what, I, I, what do I do with this? Like, this is, like, and they were pumped out of their face. And what did that person begin to realize? There seemed to be this correlation, this connection between joy and mission. That when they saw someone they cared about and loved come to know the thing that they care about and love the most, there was no other reaction in their life than just to be absolutely exhilarated, to be so joyous. The message of God is not a message so we can just kind of get it off our, our chest or we can kind of check off a checkbox. It is our, it's our joy becoming complete. It's not only has he changed you, but he's moved you in such a way that you want to go then and change others. Your joy is different. Now the question you have to ask is if you are in one of those ruts, what does mission look like in your life? Is it there at all? Do you sit there at times, complain about different things, and then just begin to realize, like, I, I really haven't done anything about it? Because in John's mind, there is no way you can be sad when someone you love and care for comes to know the risen king. There is no way you can be mopey or pity yourself when someone you love and care for knows the risen king. So what do you do? You are the light. You're following Jesus in a place where everything around you surrounds you is in complete darkness. What do you do? You have four things that you are supposed to do. Today's going to be general. For the next three weeks, we're going to go into a very practical aspects of this, but this is what it looks like. The very first thing that you are called to do is the light going into the darkness is you are to critique. You are to critique, which means you are to push back. You are to fight against the dark mentality of things. This is what I mean. Um, back in those days, when Jesus was kind of kicking around, just doing his thing or whatever, the, the, all the Jews had to go to the temple and they had to sacrifice for their sins. So they grabbed this lamb. They were like, sorry, lamb, whatever, the thing died. And, uh, and they gave it away. And that was them like sacrificing this animal. So what began to happen was all of the temples began to get really, really corrupt. And what they began to do is imagine, imagine this picture, okay? I'm a regular Joe Blow. And, uh, and I realized that the thing that I have to do is I have to sacrifice in this temple. And so I live a three days distance from the temple. 
Kind of tell my family, like, hey, guys, I'm going to go on the three-day trip because we all know why. And so what you had to do is you had to grab your best sheep without any blemish. It wasn't dirty. It didn't have any defections. You had to grab your best sheep. And so I'm going there, and I'm looking into my, my flock, and I'm like, boom, little Billy, we going to kill you. Okay, so I grab little Billy, and I start walking the three days. I'm walking with the sheep. You can imagine how annoying that thing is. Sheep are dumb. They're trying to go in every direction. You're kind of just yanking on this cord. You finally get to the temple. You walk in. You're like, I'm so tired. And, and then the priest begins to look at you and go, uh, yeah, you might think your sheep is good, but it, it's actually the worst. We're not going to allow it to be sacrificed here. It's not, it's not as good as we want it to be. But... We can sell you one of the sheeps right over there. Yeah, so they did. They didn't actually care how good your sheep was. They just wanted you to buy one of theirs so they can take your money. Or if you were even further away from that, what you began to do is you would say, man, I can't bring a sheep from that far away. I need to be, I'm just going to bring some money. I'm going to buy one while I'm there, and then that's the way that I'm going to do this. And so imagine you're going from like Alexandria and Egypt, and you're trying to travel all the way to Jerusalem. You finally get to Jerusalem. You go to the temple. You're like, hey, I just want to buy one of those sheep. And then they go, oh, sorry, we actually don't take that currency. You're going to have to buy temple coin. And then what do they do? They jack up the exchange rates. Why? Because they want to take your money. And this is the mentality. This is darkness. This is empire. And then that gives us light as to why Jesus one day shows up to this temple. He sits there. He looks at everything that's going on and what happens to him. He's furious. He's angry. He gets so mad that he like sits down. Imagine this, the account that he sits down and for however long starts making himself a whip. And then he gets up in absolute fury, starts flipping all of the tables of all of these people who are stealing the money from innocent, regular people, loses his mind in there, starts screaming it and going, why are you making my father's house into a house or a den of robbers? Why are you doing this? And the very first thing that Jesus shows us about how to live as light and darkness is critique. Because there are things that are happening around you does not mean that you have the right to stay silent. If your friend is going through suicidal thoughts and you don't have the guts to say anything, that is not light in darkness. If your friend is going through things or doing things that you know that will harm their life, and you step away and disconnect yourself from those people, that is not love. That's cowardice. That is not strength. That's weakness. I had a friend one time where I saw him, and the way that he was acting was so inappropriate with girls. He would go to the clubs. He was all over Tinder. He was trying to get girls, sleep with them all the time. I grew up with him. He was going to the church, and I had to go up to him one time, and I remember this, and I never wanted to have this conversation. Why would I want to do this? To sit down with my friend and, and talk about these things with him. 
And I remember sitting down at the Starbucks with him, and I'm going, I might lose a friend over this. And we sat down. I looked him in the face, and I said, hey, listen, you have to be real with yourself. There are too many Christian guys that go around saying that they're legit, and all they are is a joke. And my fear is that that's what you're becoming. That is a terrifying thing to say. But why did I say it? Because that's what love looks like. Do you think if your parents saw you using all of your money for drugs, throwing your life away, and we were all, as outsiders, looking into that situation, and we asked ourselves, man, did the parents ever talk to their kid? We go, no, no, they never even had a conversation with their kid. What would our conclusion be? It doesn't really seem like those parents love that kid. The parents that love the child are the ones that are going to fight, argue, rant about these things, push that they would stop. That's true love. It's the critique. It's the first task of you as a follower of Jesus into the mindset. I know we bring up this conversation a lot. The things that you do alone in your bedrooms, if you know someone else is going through that and you kind of just let it slide, knowing that that thing is going to ruin them for the rest of their lives, ruin future marriages, and you do not say a single thing, that is your job as a follower of Jesus. To be exactly like he was. Not to get angry or upset because you hate the individual. No, that's not what he was doing at all. Jesus did that out of love, out of care. And that's what we're called to do as well. The second thing to do when you are light, living in the darkness, is non-collaboration. Non-collaboration, which means you do not do what they do. But that does not mean that you disconnect yourself completely. This is what I mean. I remember when I was in high school, I, was, uh, I had this big, crazy life change in 10th grade, and all of a sudden, I began to ask myself these kinds of questions, okay? I go to a public high school, Quantum Park, it's all kinds of scary, everyone's on drugs all the time. What do I do? I remember walking up to my youth pastor and going, okay, all my friends keep inviting me to all of these parties, what do I go and do? He told me the craziest thing I've ever heard. He looked me in the face and he says, keep going. I was like, what? He said, keep going. I'm like, bro, you're going to get fired. <laughs> he said, no, I want you to keep going. I was like, okay. And then he said, but I want you to be different. Like, okay, well, what do you mean? He goes, when everybody else is, is there getting drunk, trying to hit on girls, trying to do whatever it is that they're doing, I want you to be different. I want you to go to those things, and I want you to picture that you're kind of the parent at the party. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's so lame. He goes, just try it. Okay. 
So I show up to the party. I walk in the very first time. I got my backpack full of goods. I Googled everything you need to help people out, right? So I got like socks, because somehow people lose their socks in those situations. So I got all these socks in my, in my backpack. I got a big loaf of bread because it's like, oh, if you drink too much, you make them just like down bread. And then all of a sudden it soaks up all the alcohol. If you didn't know, now you know. Anyways, so, um, but you shouldn't. Anyways, okay, uh, so. Anyway, so I had my whole backpack thing on. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, I'm going to be like the safety police up in this joint. Like, I'm going to be all over the place. Like, bedrooms, nuh-uh, because, uh, hello, right? So I'm, I'm killing this party. I'm just like everywhere, man. My friend pukes on himself. I'm like, dude, that's okay. It could have been worse. Boom, grab him a new shirt. I'm like, dude, you don't have a sock on? I got an extra sock for you. Boom, there you go. This guy's trying to get this girl into this bedroom. I'm like, hey, sorry. I got to drive her home right now. Peace. And the girl's like, and I'm like, oh, yes, you know, because I'm killing the game. And so I'm doing all of this stuff. And the first party came out, I started driving people home. I'd be like, hey, I'd call my cousin. I'd be like, dude, can we just drop these people off? And he's like, sure, whatever. So we start dropping people off because they couldn't get home on their own time. I'm like, I come, came, came out of that situation. I was like, man, that was legit. I felt like Superman up in that joint, saving everyone. And I did it again. And I did it again. And I remember the first couple times that I went and I didn't participate in those things, it was hard. My friends would come up to me and they're like, dude, I can't believe you're not drinking with us. You're so stupid, right? They would use language like, man, why are you being so gay? And I'll sit there and I, you know, the beginning of it's tough. All your friends around you are just kind of ridiculing you and making fun of you while I'm trying to be different in this place. Walking around with all these people trying to help them but what I began to notice was as it kept going on, I kept, kept at the thing and didn't fall away, this non-collaboration. I was there, but I wasn't there. You know what I mean? I remember we were at a party, and it was kind of like, a, you know, for high school term, it was a party that wasn't on your turf. You know what I mean? Like all of your friends are around. This one was kind of like a, a split. It was like your school and another school, and so it was kind of... There was a little bit more anxiety kind of coming into it. And so you're there and all of a sudden these guys come up and they saw me playing sports and they were like, yo, dude, let's have a beer together. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm good. Like the backpack, you know what I mean? Like, come on. And, uh, and all of a sudden they started shouting things at me. I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, wow, this all over again. And these two guys out of nowhere from my school, one of them being my best friend, another kind of random guy, in this crazy amount of respect, ran over and said, you know, bleep, 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 bleep. The guys were like, relax. And then they took off. And in that moment, I was like, huh. Here are these guys who I've given, I've lost a countless amount of socks to, who I've helped like puke on themselves led them to the bathroom, driven them home. And this was the very first time that I saw this whole thing come back. And then it completely opened the doors to them coming to the church. Sure, it was a year process before that happened. But it happened. And it's the exact same thing that you see with Jesus. Jesus shows up, he's walking on the road. There's this little, the tiny little midget man in this tree named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a tax collector, the worst of them all. Jesus is walking by, he sees the guy in the tree, he goes, hey, what's up, player? Zacchaeus is like, hey. And then Jesus is like, I'm going to your house for dinner. 
And everyone else is going, what? Because when you dine with someone, it means like union with that person. It's, it, it's, it's like you're together with them. And if that's the worst guy and you're trying to say that you're the best guy, that makes zero sense, Jesus. Why would you go have dinner with him? And yet Jesus' interaction with this guy is so powerful that when he gets out of the tree after this little midget guy was stealing everyone's money, they go, they have dinner together, and he comes out of the interaction with Jesus going, I'm going to pay sevenfold everything that I've taken from everyone. You know what that is? That's light being in the dark. It's light being in the dark in the dark. The third task that you have of being light in the dark is witness. Sometimes I meet Christians and I'm like, if you're the face of Christendom, I don't wanna be a Christian. Do you know what I mean? There are those people who are like, yeah, love the Lord, Jesus the risen Messiah, I hate everything. So here's John going, man, me spreading the message of Jesus is my joy, my absolute joy being complete. Yeah, Jesus, love you for like 15 minutes and then I hate everything. Now what I'm not saying is I'm not saying that there's not difficult times, not difficult seasons where pain is, might obstruct maybe a bit of your joy. That's not what I'm saying. Maybe you're in a season of pain and hurt and you're just not feeling it and that happens. But if that begins to be the overwhelming image of yourself, then you have to begin to question going, man, do I actually find my joy in Jesus? Or do I find my joy in the things that talk about Jesus? Does that make sense? As a witness that you come to a place, like we, last night in Lead, we did this thing called Lectio Divina, which is a spiritual practice where you have to sit in silence and you have to do all these things. And one of the quotes at the very end was, all I want, all I want in life is to be lost in the heart of God. All I want in life is to be lost in the heart of God. Do we think that? Like, do we feel that way? That we're so joyous about how broken, how sinful we are in our life, that we look to something like that, and the simple shape of it grants us joy in our life. Yeah, it's kind of cheesy with the ribbon and whatnot, whatever, but we look at that and we go, man, that's crazy. That's crazy, like that, that one little sight. Where you just stare at it and you go, well, you know what that means right there? Can't help but just getting excited, getting hyped up. That eternity is now yours because of the one who went on that cross. Do you witness about how good living in the light even is? Or are you the kind of person who always verbalizes just the negatives of life? Is there any positivity? Are you giving advice and does the name Jesus even ever come up? 
Are you talking to someone and do you ever say, I want you to actually relook at your whole conversations about today and go, when you were talking with anyone, did you ever even say the name Jesus? If he's the center of your life, if he is what you have given your life to, I want you to picture the last time you gave somebody advice. Did the name Jesus ever come into that conversation? To be a witness is to talk about something more profound that you could ever possibly imagine. It's to talk about something that has happened. And if that event has happened with you, then talking about it is easy. It's joyous. It's exciting. You ever had those opportunities where all of a sudden a friend goes, hey, what's the thing you go to on Tuesday? And all of a sudden you're like, you get the, like the oh man, this is about to happen right now. And you get like, you can't control your arms and you're just like, okay, um, where do we start? Okay, Revelation, no, wrong book, okay. And you go to another one, you're like, this is about, like, it's exciting, you know? It's joyous. You have like, your, your blood's pumping now. You're like, is this actually gonna happen? Like, this is so, what is that? That's you being excited for witness. That's you being excited about sharing the light with those who are in the darkness. The last and final thing of being light in dark is the scariest of all things. It's this idea called martyrdom. You have critique, you have non-collaboration, you have witness, and the final pushback, if it gets to that point of being light in the darkness, is are you willing to give your life for this? It's crazy that we in the Western church live in a place that doesn't persecute the church. I could walk around my school. I could say, hey, I'm a Christian. They'd go, oh, you're kind of stupid, but they're not going to kill you for it. There are places around the world if you mention anything about the name Jesus, they will have you killed immediately. And for those people, the ultimate pushback of living light in the dark is to give their life for that thing. The ultimate example of being light in dark is to give your life. There's no greater example of that than Jesus. Who saw you in your brokenness, who saw you in your pain, who saw you in all of your lows, with all of your thoughts, with all the things you've ever done in life. You stand around and you constantly question who you are, the labels that you give to yourself. You're haunted by memories of events of little statements and words that somebody said to you five years ago that somehow every single day when you wake up never leaves your mind. Maybe you're someone in this room who hates themselves, who thinks poorly of yourself, who looks at the way that you treat your parents and you go, what am I even doing? Who looks at the way that treats your friends and is constantly convicted about their life? The way that you treat yourself isn't the way that you know you should be. The thoughts in your mind scare you constantly over and over again. 
And you might not think that you are something that is worth it. But he definitely did. No matter what you think about yourself, the final pushback is someone giving their life. And that's exactly what he did for you. True light in darkness is that God gave up his son so that those who believe in him may have eternal life. Light in the dark. That's my challenge for you this week. That you would spend your time this week being the light in the dark. For the next couple of weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to be showing a couple testimonies and videos of people who are in the struggle right now. We're going to show a video, and then we're going to give them some time to open up here and to, uh, to speak about their struggles.